Okay, we're up to Daf Nun Dalid uh, Amid Aleph. Um, before we begin, let me just get the names of Lizech and Nishmas. Hold on. Learning in progress. Okay, today's learning should be done. Lizech and Nishmas, Gila Bashloim, Ablaya Basafrayim, Yitzchok Ben Chaim Alevi, Yakim and Shagafag Alevi, Sarleya Bashmul Tzviach, and Ben Nipesach, the Variach Basar Yeshua, and Rav Ben Rabaruch, and Rafush Lem Yehudis Bas Miriam. So we're up to Daf Nun Dalid Amid Aleph. The last thing we said is Dabar Acher, Nechshud to Yisrael Al Shviyis, Vale Nechshud Al Shabbos is the second line. So, what is this referring to? So, just to review, we had a Machloikis between Rav Meir and Rav Yehuda. Whether if we penalize you for doing something b'mezid, do we also penalize you for doing something b'shoigig? There were constant contradictions, and what we settled down to the argument that we settled down to the thought was like this: According to a mayor. Under Rabbonans, we are geyser, mezid, and therefore, let's say by example of Hezek Shenu Nikr, where we penalize you because that's a derabonon, right? Because Hezek Shenu Nikr lo Hezek, so the whole thing is a derabonon. So our mayor would penalize by Shogi and mezid. By Odoraisa, he would not. And therefore, Chil Shabbos, which is Doraisa, he is not, if you Mechal Shabbos, Beshogi, according to our mayor, you could eat the food. Rav Yud is the opposite. He's kindness, shaygigatu mezid, by deraisa, not by derabonon. So the Gemara ended off that according to Rav Meir, we have a contradiction. Rav Meir is not kindness, shaygigatu mezid, by Shabbos, which is deraisa, but he is kindness, shaygigatu mezid, by Shemitah. If you plant the tree on Shemitah, he's kindness, shaygigatu mezid. So if you plant the sh- tree on Shemitah, there you can't, uh, you have to uproot it. So what's the difference? So the first answer the Gemara gave yesterday and we'll start with the second answer. The first answer the Gemara gave was meaning the reason why, well, again, what's the contradiction? If I plant a tree during Shabbos, on Shabbos, I'm allowed to keep the tree going. But if I plant the tree on Shemitah, I'm not allowed to. What's the difference? The Gemara says because trees, because there's laws of Orla, the first three years you can't eat it, and that to revive the fourth year you're allowed to, people always kept track of when the tree was planted. So because people know when the tree was planted, at least what year the tree was planted, not the day, but what year the tree is planted, people will know that this was planted during Shemitah, right? Because four years later, people start eating it, and they'll be like, oh, why are you allowed to eat this? It's fourth year. Oh, it's fourth year. Now, you're allowed to eat in Yerushalayim. Oh, that means it was planted four years ago, which is during Shemitah. So because people always track back when it was planted, and people will trace back that it was planted on Shemitah, it's going to lead to people being lenient and think you could plant during Shemitah. Meaning because the Aver will still be in people's minds, we have to be strict. Shabbos, where if you plant the tree on Shabbos, a random Saturday, people are not going to remember that years from the line. How are they going to remember that years down? Okay, that was the first answer. Davarach, the top line. Another answer, that the reason why Rameir was strict by Shemitah, is because Kalal Yisrael at that time were more lenient with uh, Shemitah, and therefore he had to be strict. As opposed to Shabbos, where he didn't have to be strict. So, my Davracher, what is the explanation? Why do you need a second Shabbos? I mean, what was the problem with the first Shabbos? By saying that people will track, will trace back it being planted to, Shab- to Shemitah and not trace back it being planted to Shabbos. So the Gemara says, V'chitema Shabbos nami, zimnin mikla lo yoyim lamed b'Shabbos. The Gemara says, I'll tell you why it's not perfect. The first shot is not perfect. I'll tell you why. There are times where people will trace back that it was planted on Shabbos. I'll give you an example. When it comes to a year, 
right, again, it's very significant to know when a year is for trees. First of all, because um, for Arla, for Netaravai, the the halacha is also, I'll give you another example. When it comes to Arab Shemitah, right, if you plant a tree 10 days before Shemitah, it's also a problem. So we're machmer 30 days before. It has to be planted at least 30 days before. So there are significance with the years. The halacha is that for a year in tree, in tree life, 30 days is a year. So let, look at Rashi, the first wide line. Zimnin did tzarech lamimni. I'll, I'll tell you, outside, we'll see it inside. There are times, right, the whole point was that Shabbos were more lenient because you never trace back that it was planted on Shabbos because why would it ever be relevant? You care what year it's planted, not what day. The answer is there are some times where you do care. I'll give you an example. What if you planted it 30 days before Shemitah? The halacha is that it's fine to be kept as opposed to within 30 days of Shemitah, then it's a problem. That, in that case specifically, what if Shabbos is the 30th day before Shemitah? Then people will trace back that it was planted on Shabbos. Right? People will be like, oh, why you let it eat from that tree? I thought it was planted on Shemitah. You'd be like, no, 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 it was planted before. How long before? 30 days. You look at the calendar, but wait, 30 days before that year was Shabbos. The 30th day before Shemitah, that year was Shabbos. So that's an example of people tracing it back. So hence the Gemara gives another answer that the reason why you could be more strict with Shemitah and lenient with Shabbos is not just because of the tracing back, because there are scenarios where you do trace it back what day of the week, and that is if Shabbos is 30 days before Shemitah. So then that, that case, Rashi says, There are times where you do count and trace it back to Shabbos. The halacha is that if you plant a tree 30 days before Shemitah, it's considered a separate year. Or, Meaning, that not only is that tree not considered planted on Shemitah, Shemitah is year two for Arla purposes. So the 30 days is year one. Shemitah is the second year. And then only one year later, Arla is done. So that's a scenario where you have to know what day, because people are going to see you eating two years and 30 days after the tree is planted, they're going to eat, see you eating fruit. And then they say, wait, it's Arla, we're within, within three years. And you say, no, no, it's two years and 30 days. The 30 days is counted as a year. They'll say, well, what? They'll look at the calendar, and that year, the 30 days was Shabbos. So because it's possible to trace it back to Shabbos, you need another distinction between Shabbos and Shemitah, and on that is, that Shemitah in people's mind is more lenient, and therefore they had to be strict. Okay. Back to the Gemara. So that explains that answer. Now, we have another contradiction, Rabbi Yehuda, which I, I did, I read the Brisa fairly quickly yesterday, but now we have to analyze it. We talked about if you plant a tree on Shabbos and in Shemitah, we were focusing on our mayor's contradiction. Our mayor said on Shabbos, whether it's Shogig or Mezid, or Shogig is, is fine, Mezid is not fine. But on Shemitah, both Shogi Mezid is a problem. That was Rameyer's contradiction. But let me read you Rav Yehuda. Rav Yehuda says, B'Shviyas, when it comes to Shemitah, B'Shogi Gikai Mezid Yeker. On Shogi it's fine, Mezid it's not fine. Distinction between Shogi and Mezid. Shabbos, Bein B'Shogi Mezid Yeker. Shabbos, it's always a problem. Because Rav Yehuda, if you remember, is consistent that he's always strict when it comes to the Doraisas. He's strict by Shogig and Mezid. So how come Shemitah, which is also Doraisa, he's lenient by Shogig? Shabbos, Shogig and Mezid is a problem. Shemitah, Mezid is a problem, Shogig is fine. What's the difference? They're both Doraisas. So the Gemara says, Rav Yehuda, There's no problem in Rav Yehuda. Why? Rav Yehuda generally is strict by Doraisa. So how come Rav Yehuda is lenient? 
by Shemitah Shogeg? The answer is in Rabbi Yehuda's location, they were super strict by Shemitah. And therefore, there was no need to be strict on his own. People were naturally strict. There was no need to make offense. So generally, Rabbi Yehuda is strict by Doraisas. That he'll treat Shogig and Mazid in the same that will penalize, but not when it comes to Shemitah, because in Yehuda's location they were very strict. And I'll prove it to you that in Yehuda's location they were very strict because there was an argument broke out between two people and they both wanted to insult each other. One person wanted to insult the other one, he said, convert the son of a convert. That was his, that was his dig. So the other person responded, At least I don't eat Shemitah like you. And that was like a big insult because in Yehuda's location they were super strict with Shemitah. For him to say, at least you eat you eat the fruit of Shemitah that's forbidden, that was a big insult. So you see that in Yehuda's location, they're very strict. Now, from here until, basically till the end of the Amid, it's going to be the same permutation, same kasha over and over again, same answer basically over again. Let me, let me say it outside, then we'll see it inside. We said that Rav Meir is strict by the Rabbanans. So if you are mechalal, if you do an iser b'mezid, we penalize you. B'shogig, we also penalize you. The problem we're going to have are five or six examples of a person who made a mistake on a derabanon b'shogig, and we don't penalize you. So according to Rameir, I thought we treat shogig as mezid. And the same answer is that when does Rav Rameir penalize you by b'shogig? When you're doing something wrong, or you do an avera. But there are times where a person is trying to do the right thing. I'll give you an example. A person brings a vessel to the mikvah on Shabbos, not realizing that it's Shabbos, and not realizing you're not allowed to do that. B'shogeg. The halacha is, it's fine. But wait a minute. If you did it on purpose, that's an Isidur we should penalize you, right? Bringing Kalim to the mikvah on Shabbos is an Isidur and it looks like you're fixing. That's, we should penalize you. Amazing, we penalize you. How come Shogeg we don't? I thought Rameyer always treats Shoging and Mazid the same regarding Durabonans. And the Gemara gives the answer, and it's the same answer all the time, and that is, over there the guy is trying to do a mitzvah. Meaning, we, we, you know, we're talking about Rameyer strict when it comes to like, you, you rabbinically are contaminate someone's fruit accidentally. Okay, yeah, he'll be strict because well, you'd be more careful. Over here the guy's trying to do a mitzvah. He's trying to bring Kalim to the mikvah, which is inherently a good thing. It happens to be, it's Shabbos, so he shouldn't. But at least his intention is in the right place. When your intention is in the right place and you're trying to do the right thing, we're not going to penalize you when it's Bishogi. That, that's, that's the basic theme. So let's see this inside. Tashima. Okay. Ochal truma temeya. The halacha is that if a non-kayan eats truma, he has to replace it. So, ochal truma temeya. I eat tame truma, which by the way has no market value at all. I have to pay back, not only do I have to pay back non-trum, I have to pay back regular food that's tar, which the Gemara is going to ask in a moment. If I ate truma that's tame, why can't I give at least tame chulin? Right? You can't give back truma that's tame because that, that has no, the kind can't eat that. But I ate truma that was tame, not only do I have to give back chulin, I have to give back chulin that's tar. Okay? Shilim chulin tamayim. Let's say instead of giving back good Chulin. I give back Tamei Chulin, which at least Yisraelim could eat, but non Kohanim. Or a Kayan could eat it when he himself is Tamei, but he can't eat it when he's Tahar. Mahu, it's the Halacha. So I ate t- Truma that was Tamei, and I returned Chulin that was Tamei, which is at least better. I ate like I ate super bad. I ate, I returned bad. The Halacha is Amr Sumchas Mishum Rameir. Rameir says, Bishogeg Tashlum of Tashlumen. If you did it accidentally, it's fine. If you returned 
Tamei Chulin accidentally, it's fine. Mezid ain't Tashum Tashum, but if you did it on purpose, no good. The Chum Oimrim, the Chum say, Echot Zev Echazer Tashum Tashum, the Chum say, no, either way, it's fine. Even if you did it on purpose, it's fine. The Choyzer Mishalim Chulin Tarim. Even if you did it on purpose, it's considered a payment, but as a penalty, if you did it on purpose, you have to give him again another Chulin Tarim. So according to the Rabbanon, if you give him Chulin Tameim, you fulfilled your obligation. But as a penalty, you have to give him more chulin that's tar. So let's, let's analyze Romero's opinion. I ate truma that was tame. I return chulin that's tame. If I did it b'shogeg, it's fine. But if I did it mezin, no good. Think about it. Why, if I give it, do it b'mezid, I returned it, I paid him back b'mezid, no good. At the end of the day, yes, I gave him tame food. But I ate tame truma, which he was not able to eat. And I gave him back Tami Chulin, which at least he could eat when he himself is Tami. Tami Truma, he's never allowed to eat. I eat something that is inedible to everybody at all times. And I returned, even on purpose, but I returned Chulin, which is Tami, which first of all, Yisraelim could eat, and a coin could eat when he's Tami. So it's like, why should, I be, why should I say I'm not Yotza the Mitzvah of returning it? So the Gemara says, Am I in Tashot Toshlumen? Top of the bracha, he should be rewarded. He ate Shuma that's Tame, which the Kayan can never eat. And he returned Tame Shulen, which at least the Kayan can eat when he himself is Tame. For Amr la Kedi, so Rava quotes Kedi, who's an, uh, a Rav, and he says, You're right. This, there are words missing the Bryce. This is what the Bryce means to say. If you eat Tame Shuma, Mishalim Kolduhu, you could return anything. Anything could be out to the mitzvah. Mishalim Kolduhu. Meaning, whether, Rashi explains what does it mean, Kolduhu. If you ate Tame Truma, you have to return Chulin, whether it's Tahar, whether it's Tame, you're fine. Achal Truma Tahora. But if I ate Tahar Truma, which the kind was allowed to eat, and I ate it, Mishalim Chulin Tahor, I have to return Tahar Chulin. Shilim chulim temeim. What if I returned tamei chulin when I ate tahar truma? I ate tahar truma, so I ate something he could eat, and I return chulin that's tamei, which is something a kain is not always allowed to eat. Can't eat it when he's tahar. Mahu, what's the halacha? Was I fulfilling the mitzvah? Sumach chasamer shemer meir. Meir says, b'shogeg tashlum of tashlumin. If he did it accidentally, it's fine. B'meizid. If he did it on purpose, ain't tashlumin tashlumin. If he did it on purpose, no good. The Chum say, The Chum say, no, either way you're Yotz the Mitzvah, but we penalize you that in addition you should give Chulun Tahar. But let's analyze Rameir. Rameir says, I ate Tahar Truma and I returned Tame Chulun. Bishogeg Yotza, Mezid not Yotza. What is his opinion based on? The question over here is, whether your kain is shayga to mezid, meaning, really according to Rav Meir, yeah, really, Rav Meir holds that if you if you, yeah, the way Rashi explains it's like this: according to Rav Meir, I ate tahar chulin, tahar truma, I have to return food. I give him back tame chulin. Shogig, it's fine. Mezid, not fine. What's the what, what's Rameir Shit about? Really, I'm Yotz the mitzvah doraisa by returning the food. The question is, do we penalize him? So if you gave him Tame Chulin, Bemezid, we penalize him. Shogig, we don't. That's the Machlogit. So Rameir holds, the Rabbanon hold that we penalize you, but Shogig also. The Rabbanon says, no. Mezid will penalize you, Shogig, we won't. 
What do you see from here? This whole thing is a derabonim. It's a penalty derabonim. And yet, Rav Meir does not penalize you when he did it b'shogeg. He only penalizes you when you did it b'mezeg. So this is a contradiction to what we had yesterday. We had yesterday that Rav Meir feels that by a derabonon we're koinish shaygugatu mezeg. That by a derabonon we treat shoging and mezeg the same. That we penalize you by both. Yet over here, this is a rabbinic issue because at the end of the day you return the food. It's a rabbinic issue, and we're only penalizing you by deraisa, not derabonon. We should penalize you by both. That's the Gemara's kasha. So the Gemara says. Mm, yeah. Um, so again, the kasha is according to a mayor. If this is a penalty derabonon, that's why you're not yotza when you did a b'mezid. You should also not be yotza when you did a b'shogig, because we penalize you under abonons koinus shegu atumezim. So the gemara says, same answer that I said before. The Gemara says, Hachi hashta, Over here, the guy's trying to do a mitzvah. He's trying to return what he stole. We're not going to penalize you, Bishogeg, when you're trying, when you have good intentions. The case where a person contaminates something, there's no mitzvah involved, there's no attempt to do a mitzvah, so we'll penalize you, Shogeg, just like Mazin. Over here, the guy is trying to return a lost object, he's trying to do a mitzvah, and yes, maybe he's doing it the wrong way. We're not going to penalize you when you're attempting to do the right thing. Okay. Fine. Okay. Fine. Tashima, another proof. Dam shenitme vizarku. If you have blood of a carbon that became tame. And the kayan still sprinkles it. Now the halacha is that sits covers tum of the blood. So on a biblical level, although it is tameh, you could still actually sprinkle it on the mizbeach. It's the rabbanon who penalized you. So this is a rabbinic issue. So if the kayan sprinkled it by accident, hurtza, the 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 kapara the the carbon will be mechaper for the owner. So the kayan should not be doing this rabbinically. But if the kayan did, so if he did it b'shoigeg. Then the kayan, then the the owner is yotze the mitzvah is yotze the carbon b'meizid. If he did it on purpose, loy hurts say not yotze. Same question. If this is a rabbinic issue, why is why is Rav Meir not treating the shogig and meizid the same? He should be kones. He should penalize you by a shogig as well. Amalachar Meir, same answer. Again, the kayan is trying to do a mitzvah. He's trying to sprinkle on them his beach. Now, yes, he shouldn't be doing this b'shogig. He, should, he shouldn't be doing this, but at least his intention is the right thing. We're not going to penalize you on a shaygeg when your intention is to do the right thing. Tashima, another one. Hamaser b'Shabbos. The halacha is is a rabbinic prohibition of separating shumas and meisus on Shabbos. You're not allowed to because it's considered rabbinically like fixing. If a person did separate shumas and meisus on Shabbos, b'shaygeg yoichal. If you did a b'shaygeg, then you could eat the fruit and the meiser took hold. If you did it on purpose, not yoitza. So the Gemara says, again, same kasha. You should penalize shayigig to mezid. Hachiyasha, same answer. Again, the guy is attempting to do a mitzvah, we're not going to penalize you b'shayigig. Tashima, the last one. Hamatbil kalim b'shabbos. If a person brings his kalim to the mikvah shabbos, which is rabbinically forbidden, b'shayigig, if he did it accidentally, he could use the kalim. 
But if he did it on purpose, no good. Same question. According to our mayor, this is a rabbinic issue. Why don't we penalize you Bishogig as well? Same answer. Over there, the guy's trying to do a mitzvah. He's trying to purify his vessels. We're going to penalize you? No way. Okay, fine. Gemara has another kasha. We had before that Rav Yehuda is not koinish shaygigotu mezid by derabonans. By derabonans, isurim derabonans, he'll only penalize you b'mezid, not derabonans. So, Rami derav yudu, derav yudu, derabonans. I have a contradiction in Rav Yehuda. Meaning, I have a scenario where Rav Yehuda does treat the penalty. He does penalize you when it's b'shogeg, even though it's a derabonans, which he generally doesn't. The Tani of the Bryce says, go to the next page. Noflu v'nispatsu. Okay, the halach is like this. You have certain items on a biblical level, Everything is bottle, at least barov or bashishim, right? Yeah, most things are bottle barov, meaning most isurim. If you have a, a walnut that was avodizara, someone bowed down to a walnut, I don't know, and then it got mixed in with five other walnuts, on a biblical level, it's bottle. Now, because it's avodizara, the rabbi said not bottle. Okay, that's a rabbinic thing. Milk and meat. Bottle. There are certain types of steaks that are very, very choshev, right? You have a big, big steak that gets mixed in with a big non-kosher steak, a choshev steak, a ribeye that gets mixed in with kosher steaks. On a biblical level, bottle berov. Rabbinically, not bottle because the steak is so choshev. So we're discussing a similar scenario. You have a type of a nut that's very, very choshev of orla. Now, orla is generally bottle, I believe, one in... One in a hundred, I believe. One in a hundred, that's the scenario. Yeah, no, one in two hundred. Arla is one in two hundred. So you have this nut of Arla that gets mixed in with other nuts. So it should be one in two hundred of your yotza. It's fine, bottle. You could eat the whole mixture. But these nuts are very, very harsh. They're called the Geize Perach. They were super, super expensive. So the rabbi said not bottle at all. When they're intact and chashiv, they're not bottle. It falls in, this walnut, this nut of Arla falls into one in three hundred. Biblically bottle, rabbinically not bottle. So here's what I want to do. I want to be clever. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to mash them all up. Once they're mashed up, they lose its chashivas, right? It's only chashiv when it's intact. Once it's mashed up, it should be bottle. The truth is, on a biblical level, that works. But the rabbi said you're not allowed to do that. That's called in mavatlinis lechila. It's like, it's like, why can't I take a little bit of milk and mix it into a hundred times meat, right? One in sixty, it's bottle. I'll just put a little bit in. The halacha is, rabbinically, you're not allowed to do that because you're causing the mixture to become nullified, which you're not allowed to do. So the person did that in this case. So he had the orla walnut mixed in with the other walnuts, and rabbinically, it's not bottle, but then he chopped them up. So the halacha is, nafluv in espatsu, this nut fell into kosher nuts, one in 300. So it's really biblically, again, biblically, it's bottle. But as long as it's intact, it's not bottle. So you wanted to mash them up. The halachas, you're not allowed to do that. But let's say you did. Whether you mash it up, mash it up, no good. The rabbis penalize you. Makes sense. The rabbi is consistent. That he's penalized you. Rabbi Yehuda, who generally does not... Does not penalize Rameir ver Rav Yehuda. Rameir and Rav Yehuda agree on this one. Meaning, Rav Yehuda, who normally does not penalize you when it's Beshogig Adirabonon, over here does. Rav Yosef, Rav Shimon, Omrim, Beshogig, Yalu, Mezid, Yalu. Rav Yosef, Shimon say, no, there's a distinction between Shogig and Mezid. If it's Shogig, it's uh, it's fine. Mezid, not fine. But what do you see? 
You see over here, ha-ha-ha, over here, midoraisa, chabitre bottle. Over here on a biblical level, it's bottle. The whole thing that walnuts that are very chashav and not bottle is rabbinic. This whole thing is a rabbinic issue. And you chopped it up and broke a rabbinic prohibition. So said Rav Yehuda, whether you did a b'shogig or b'mezid, no good. We're penalizing you. But wait a minute. This whole thing is only derabonon. I thought Rav Yehuda is not koinish to mezid and derabonon. I thought he's lenient on shogigs of a derabonon. So the Gemara says, So the Gemara answers, Over there it's different. Over here, because it's very easy for people to play games, meaning, in general, Rav Yehuda does not penalize shogigs, but I guess in the case of mixing with foods, people were taking advantage, and people were just mixing it up and matching it up, and saying, oh, and they were doing it on purpose, and they say, oh, it's us, sir, Rav Yehuda say, I penalize you on mazid. They were like, oh, it was shogig, and he's like, all right. So because people were taking advantage, in this case specifically, Rav Yehuda was more strict than in general shogigs. Generally, shogig of a derabana on Rav Yehuda was lenient, where there's no concern of people playing games. See, a guy touches some, he's dead, he's touched a dead body, and then he touches someone's fruit accidentally, bangs into it. He doesn't gain anything from that. There was no concern of you that didn't penalize you. Over here, you're mashing it up so that you could eat the entire mixture. There's an incentive for you to play games, to do it on purpose and claim it's shogig. And because of that, Rabbi Yehuda was strict in this circumstance. Okay, now one last point until we're up to the Mishnah. Rabbi Der Yossi at Rabbi Yossi. We have a contradiction in Rabbi Yossi. We just got finished saying that when it comes to this Issa Der Abonon, um, of the mashing up the walnuts, of Arla, Rav Yossi was lenient b'shogeg, strict b'mezid. I have a contradiction in Rav Yossi. The Tanan, the Mishnah says, Natiya shal Arla v'shal klaya kerem shenesavah b'natiyas acheris. Again, Arla, if it gets mixed in with other non-Arla, it's nullified one in two hundred. Now here's the example. Generally a mixture is you have like a bucket and all the nuts are mixed in together. Over here what you did is you planted one sapling of Arla within a large patch of non-arla so it's sort of like mixed in together on the ground the halacha is that the second you pluck it it's nullified so the same way before you're not allowed to mash up the nuts rabbinically because you're sort of forcing it to be nullified you're not allowed to pluck the arla or pluck the other ones because that's when the nullification happens see when walnuts are intact the nullification happens when they're mashed up or when they're mixed together you know mashed up in that case over here the nullification happens when you pluck the sapling so Allah is, you have this one Arla amongst other Arlas. Hareza lo yalakit. You're not allowed to pluck it. Ve'im likit, and if you did, yalu becham asayim. As long as it's one in 200, it's fine. As long as there were 200 saplings there. So if you have 200 kosher saplings and one Arla sapling, it's only nullified when you pluck it. So you're not allowed to pluck it, because that caused the nullification. Vachli yishavin lakit. You're not allowed to do that on purpose. If you did it, it's nullified. But you can't specifically pluck it because that's causing nullification to happen. Rav Yossi, Omer, Rav Yossi says, even if you intend it, it's fine. Now here's weird. We, said, we just got finished saying with the mashing up of the nuts, that Rav Yossi said, if you did it on purpose, we penalize you. We're penalizing you if you did it on purpose. Over here, you pluck it on purpose, which is nullifying it, and he's fine. So why over here, in this case, with the saplings, when you're doing it on purpose, we don't penalize you, but mashing up the walnuts which is also on purpose, we do penalize you. What's the difference? So the answer is, The answer is, planting one sapling in your backyard, generally people don't do. 
It's a very uncommon occurrence because you're ossering your entire field because of one sapling. It's not commonly done. Therefore, if Yossi didn't penalize you even on purpose, it was so rare. But when it comes to a mixture and you mush up the mixture, that could happen all the time. And therefore, if Yossi did penalize you when it was done b'mezid. Okay. If Gehanim make pigle again that we had yesterday, which means they have the intention when they bring the carbon that they're going to burn it at the wrong time or they're going to eat it at the wrong time, it disqualifies the carbon. So if they did it b'mezid, chayavin, that's a hezek sheno nicker. If they did it on purpose, they have to pay for the animal. Let's say someone is handling my tahar food. And he says, hey, that tahar, that, I, that food that I handle with you, I actually made a tame. The question is, is he believed? He claims that what he did when he handled my taharis, he was really tame. The question is, is he believed? So, or, let's say a kayin who brings my carbon, right? Sometimes pigle people could hear you because the guy kayin could be speaking it out loud. He could be saying, I plan on burning this next week. That's pigle and people could hear you. Let's say no one heard him. He comes over and he says, hey, the carbon that I just brought for you, I, I, was, I made a pigle. The question is, is he believed? So, so the Gemara says, um, he's believed. Ah, but a different case that's incredibly similar. He says, instead of saying the things that I did for you today or yesterday, he says, last week I, I handled you taharis and I was tame. Or says, the carbonus the, the that I did for you on a certain day, I made them pigle, and he's not believed. Now these are incredibly similar. What is the difference? The first case, the Kayan says, the kay, the carbon that I just the carbon that I did, I made a pigle, he's believed. But then he says, the kayan that I did for you last week made pigle not believe. What's the difference? What's the difference? Abaya says this is the difference. Is he still doing the carbon? As long as he's still doing the carbon, so he can make a pigle right now, we believe in what he did. As long as he's done. So if let's say a guy is handling my taharis, I have a friend of mine who's handling my taharis. If he's still handling the taharis and he says, hey, I'm Tame, he's believed. But if he already handed them back to me and he says, hey, the taharis that I handled in the past, I was Tame, he's not believed. So according to Abaya, it's just a matter of, is he still, is it still under his control? If it's under his control, he's believed. If it's out of his control, he's not believed. That's Abaya's take. Rabbi says, no, even out of his control, he still believed. Even if he's no longer holding on to it, he still believed. So the Rabbi says, so what's the difference between the two cases? Rabbi believes that even if I handed back the Taharis, or I handed the carbon to the Yisrael, I'm still believed. So what's the difference between the two cases? He says, Rabbi, very simple. Is this the first time I'm seeing you? Meaning, I have my friend John who's handling my Taharis. And then John comes to me a few days later and says, hey, the Taharis that I handled, I was really Tameh. According to Abayah, no good. Once he handed it back, you're not believed anymore. Rav says, no, even after, you still believe. So what's the difference between the Reish and the Seifa? Rav says, is this my first time seeing John? The first time I see John, if he says that he, the thing that he handled were Tameh, I believe him. But if I see him and he doesn't mention anything, and then two days later, after I've seen him multiple times, he said, oh, hey, a couple days ago, we, we don't believe him. Because if, if you actually did, you would have told me right away. 
So Ravish says that even after it's no longer biyado, he still believed. And the only distinction between the Reish and the Seifa is that he, I saw him already, he didn't tell me. If he actually did it, he would have told me right away. Okay, that's Ravish's take. So the Gemara says, There was a certain person who said to his friend, The taharis that I was, your tahari, your fruit that I was, that was tahar, that I was handling, beyond plenty a certain day, nitmu, were tameh. So according to Abai, it's, it's not believed anymore because he already handed over the fruit. According to Rava, it conceptually would be believed if this is the first time they're seeing each other. So they come from Ravami, you're not believed, meaning Abai follows Abai. The once you already hand back the fruit, you're not believed anymore. Amr the founder of Asi, Ravasi said, Rebbe Atayimrkein, that's what you're saying. The Torah does believe you even after you hand the fruit and you're not involved in where you still believed. Now, where, does the, where do we have proof that you're believed? Meaning, Rav is right. That even after you hand over the item, you could still say that you ruined it. How do we believe this? Where is the source? We know that every Kayin can able, is able to make Pigel. Now, like I said, a lot of times in Pigel, people could hear you. You're saying, oh, I plan on burning this at the wrong time. There's a certain carbon that's possible to become Pigel, but there's no one around. And that's the Kayin Gadol and Yom Kippur. The Kayin Gadol and Yom Kippur, no one's around. And yet he's able to make it Piggle, because every carbon is able to be Piggle. How could it become Piggle? It must be the Kayin Gadol finishes the Avodah, leaves the Beis HaMikdash, and tells people, oh hey, I made a Piggle. Even though it's already done. So it's a proof to Rava that even after the action is already finished, you're still believed. How, how do we know that he what he's saying is true? It's not like we could hear him at the time. No one's around. No one's in the base Hamikdash. It must be It must be we believe him after the fact. So this is a proof to Rav that we believe you after the fact. So the Gemara says Perhaps you're right. No, perhaps that, that's not a proof. Maybe the way the Kohen Gadol can make something pigle is by him shouting it. He shouts it, and we're outside of the base Hamikdash. We hear him. We're outside of the Azara. The Gemara says, no, no good. That wouldn't be good. Perhaps he's yelling he made a piggle after he's already done. I, mean, I don't know why he, he has a weird sense of humor. Right? Piggle is only a problem during the Avoda. So how could the Kohen Gadol make a piggle unless he tells us afterwards? The Gemara says, maybe he yells it out as he's doing it that it's piggle. The problem is, it's still, it's still not believed, not good enough. Why? Maybe he's yelling it after the fact. How do you know he's yelling it during the Avoda? It must be we believe him. So the Gemara says, Dilma de Chazin Maybe we're looking through a keyhole. Right? We're not in the Azara, but we're looking through the door. We see in the crack. We see him shechting or whatever, sprinkling, and he's screaming, I'm doing this, to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to eat this carbon in two days, whatever. Maybe that's why he's believed, but it's not a source that we believe you after the fact. Kasha, that's a good Kasha. Okay. So we have this Machlegas uh, uh, Bayan Rava. Whether a person is believed with self-incriminating evidence to ruin the carbon, to metaha the taharis, after the fact. So the Gemara says, Who There was a person came from Ravami. Amrle, a cipher said, The cipher says, I wrote a sefer for John, and the, the names of Hashem in the sefer I did not intend Hashem's name. I meant it to be just a word. I didn't have any kedusha in mind. So that potentially disqualifies the Sefer Torah. So, at least we'll see. Amalei, Sefer Torah biadmi. So Ravami says, where is the Sefer Torah? Amalei biadmi. He said, I already gave it to John. I delivered it. According to Abai, once you deliver it, it's too late. Rava said, it's not too late. But according to Abai, it's too late. 
So Rami said, you're not believed, because Rami follows Abaya, consistently like he had before. You're not believed. You are believed that you can't receive payment for the Sefer Torah. Meaning, you are believed not to passel a Sefer Torah, because that affects others. You're believed, self-incriminating for you, that you know, a person wants to be made upon himself, that's fine, you can't, your aiders can't affect others, so you want to forfeit the sofa money, meaning we're not going to pay you for the Sefer Torah, because from your own um, admission, it's a puzzle Sefer Torah, but we're not going to believe you regarding disqualifying the Sefer Torah. The Atenemon, now, so it's interesting. According to Ravami, if you write the Shem Hashem without Kedusha, from your perspective, it's Apostle Sefer Torah. So basically, he's testifying it's Apostle Sefer Torah. So he's not believed to actually disqualify the Sefer Torah because the Sefer Torah is no longer Biado. He is believed we will accept it regarding forfeiting his Sofer uh, uh, services. He's not going to get paid. Rav Yirmiya actually disagrees. Rav Yirmiya actually feels that if you write a Sefer Torah without Kedusha, the Sefer Torah is Kaddish. It just, um, I guess it's not as Mohudr. Rashi says, uh, hold on one second, it's still a kosher Sefer Torah. It's just there's a problem with the Shem Hashem. Um, yep. Yeah. I'll just read Rajma explains in Yermimia's view if the names of Hashem are written without the proper intent, it is not preferred. It's not Khachila. So Ravirmiya felt that what he's saying is not Lakhila. So I Ravirmiya says, why should we not pay him for the entire Sefer Torah? You want to not pay him for the le- names of Hashem. Let's say in a Sefer Torah there's a thousand names of Hashem. So don't pay him for a thousand words because he didn't do that properly. But the, the Sefer Torah is still kosher. He, sh- he should still demand payment for a Sefer Torah. That's Ravirmiya's point. Amalai Ravirmiya. Why should we penalize him for not paying? For not paying him the Sefer Torah. He should just not get payment for writing the Shem Hashem, but he should get paid for a Sefer Torah because it's a kosher Sefer Torah. Amr lay in. Rav Amir said, no, it's a puzzle Sefer Torah. Shekol Sefer Torah, Shein Eskar, Shalak, Suvil Shema, Eina Shavaklum. Says Ravami says that the Sefer Torah that's written without Shem Hashem is puzzle. Says Machlaik is Ravami Ravimia whether the psul is bidiyevet or only lechachil. Okay, according to Ravami, because it's a puzzle Sefer Torah, he's not going to pay him at all. So the Gemara says, why is why, why are you not paying him at all? I'll tell you why. Even if it's a puzzle Sefer Torah, it's fixable. How so? Just go over with ink all the letters you give of okay, and have in mind kedusha. Like Ravami implies, you have to throw out the whole Sefer Torah and restart. Why? Just take letters, take ink, and just rewrite over Yudke Vavke a second time with Kedusha. So why is he not offering that as a solution? So the Gemara says, It must be that Rav Ami does not follow Rav Yehuda. The fact that he's not offering that as a solution of just rewriting on top of it an added layer of ink of the Shem Hashem with Kedusha it, the fact that he's not offering that, it must be he does not follow Rav Yehuda. The the, the the Mishnah says like this, let's say you're up to the Shem Hashem, you're supposed to write Yud Kevavke. But you actually intended to write Yehuda. So you had no Kedusha Hashem. But you intended to write Yehuda, which was not the right word, and you wrote Yehuda without a Dalit. You wrote Yud Kevavke. So you wrote the right word with the wrong intention. Mavril of Kulmus and Mikachi to review the review that says it's a kosher Sefer Torah, but here's what you do. You just write over Yud Kevavke on top, and then it's kosher. So you don't have to rewrite the entire Sefer Torah. Chum say, no, that's not preferred. 
So the fact that Ravami is not offering that as a solution, it must be he follows the Chum and not Rav Yehuda. So the Gemara says, no, Afilu Tema Rav Yehuda. No, could be Ravami follows Rav Yehuda, that that's a fine solution to just take ink and rewrite Yudke Vavke on top. But I can't look at Rav Yehuda Elavachad Asgar. Rav Yehuda will only be lenient with doing that every once in a while. But to do that for every shame Hashem in a Sefer no. Why? It'll make the Sefer look very strange. Every once in a while, that's one thing. But even Rav Yehuda would not be okay with, if you have every shame Hashem in the Sefer written without Kedusha, even Rav Yehuda would say, you got to redo it. Because to, to you got to redo all the shame Hashems. To write, to write on top of it, every single one will make the Sefer look spotted. It'll make it look very strange. All right, let's finish up. So we said before that if a person claims the Sefer Torah was written without Kedusha Sashem, he's forfeiting his uh, sofer um, money, but it's a kosher Sefer Torah because it's not other. Who else is the Kamid Ravo? There's a person came from Ravo. Amr Lei, Sefer Torah, the point. He says, the Sefer Torah that I wrote for so-and-so, I did not tan the parchment for the Kedusha Sefer Torah, which, as we'll see in a moment, it disqualifies the Sefer Torah, potentially. So Amr Lei, Ravo says, Sefer Torah, Biyami, where is the Sefer Torah? Amr Lei, Biyami, I already delivered it. So Amr Lei, Metayich, Shatan, Nehmel, Hafsit, Scharecha, Atan, Nehmel, Hafsit, Sefer Torah. I guess Rav Avo feels uh, that he follows Rava, and he says, you're believed to passel the Sefer Torah, and he says, Metayich, Shatan, Nehmel, Hafsit, Scharecha, because you're believed to forfeit your wages, because we're not paying you, because it's a disqualified Sefer Torah from your perspective, you're also Neman to Pasal Sefer Torah. Although it's no longer in your possession, the Sefer Torah is Pasal. Now, what's the difference between these two? They're both very similar. They're both telling you the Sefer Torah is Pasal. Ravami's case, he comes in and he says, I wrote the Sefer Torah without Shem Hashem. We said, okay, the Sefer Torah is not Pasal, but you lost your, your forfeit. We don't believe you regarding disqualifying for Sefer Torah, but you, you forfeited your wages. Ravo's guy comes in and he says, I did not tan the Sefer Torah uh, parchment properly, so the Sefer Torah is possible. So they said, okay, you lost your, your wages and the Sefer Torah is possible. Why is it that by Ravavo, seemingly Ravo and Ravami both agree, like Abaya, that once it's out of your possession, you're not believed anymore, we don't trust you, because we think maybe you're trying to mess the guy over, or whatever, you're trying to be vindictive. So how come in Ravavo's case, he's believed to possible the Sefer Torah and Ravami not? So the Gemara says, I'll tell you why. Hasam iklamemer atayibid the Rav Yirmiya. Hacha, kivan de kamafsid kuli igre, vaase amar, ema kushta kamar. Gemara says, I'll tell you like this. It's very simple. Why is it that Abaya holds that once it's not in your domain, you can't, you're not believed anymore? Because the answer is, you might have ulterior motives. It's no longer in your possession. Maybe you don't like the guy, so you're trying to passel the Sefer We don't believe you. In the case of Ravami, the cipher is saying that the letters, the, the Shemus were written without Kedusha. According to Rav Yirmiya, it's still a kosher Sefer Torah. Again, maybe we don't pass in like Rav Yirmiya, but perhaps the Sofer thought we pass in like Rav Yirmiya, so he thought that even if they penalize him financially, he's still going to get paid. Let's say a, a, a Sofer gets paid 50000 so it's still a kosher Sefer Torah. He just didn't write the Shem Hashem properly, so they'll still pay me 45000 I'll still get the bulk of my money. I'll lie and say that it's possible because I'm not actually disqualifying the whole Sefer Torah. I'm just saying that the Shem is Hashem. It's not L'Chachila. I'll still get paid. That's what he thought. Rav Ami felt that if you wrote the Shem without Kedusha, Taka Pasal is the Sefer Torah. But maybe the Sofer thought Rav Yirmiya was right. So he didn't actually think he was passing the Sefer Torah. So maybe he doesn't actually mean, so maybe he's lying. And because he, why would, if, you know, to lose out $50,000, he's probably telling the truth. He doesn't think he's losing that much money.
So we don't believe him. But in the case over here where he said that the Sefer Torah, the, 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 the Parsha was not tanned properly, he knows that he's forfeiting all his money by saying this. Perhaps the fact that he's saying this, he actually has the right intention, and he knows he's losing so much money. See, that by the Kedusha's Shemus, he might think that it's still a kosher Sefer Torah, he's not going to lose all his money, so maybe he's not believed. Over here, he knows what he's doing. He knows he's losing all his money. And the fact that he's saying it, maybe that's a proof that he's believed. Kamash no, we don't believe when it's not the other. I will stop here. I'm going to New Hampshire from now until Bez Hashem next Wednesday, the 19th, so all Zoom will be over, all Daf will be over Zoom, but I'll try to keep it consistently each day. Look for the uh, the, the group for uh, updates.